The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you a little bit ago. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in the text a little bit ago, we actually got something. This is actually later in the evening. So in the early service, we heard John's account of the resurrection. And now we're hearing what happened a little bit later in the evening, where there are these two disciples. And I should note, these two disciples are not amongst the twelve. These are, it is believed that these were amongst the seventy whom Jesus sent out earlier in the Gospel of Luke. So these are not amongst the twelve. These are two different guys. But anyways, so they have heard, so they're out and they're talking, and the reason is because they're confused by everything that's going on. This is quite a crazy week. Because going all the way through the ministry that they have walked through with Jesus, they had seen Jesus make the blind to see, the lame to walk, the mute to speak, he's cleansed the leper, he's raised the dead. They've seen him do all these things and Peter himself said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. They had confessed who he is. They believed he was the Messiah. They believed he was the Christ. They, and for some of them, they thought he was the one that would finally free them from Roman tyranny, free them from the Roman powers, Roman authorities. But Jesus is dead. Jesus died. He how can he be that Messiah? How can he do these things as if he is dead? Which is why they say to him, they say this. Says, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Did you hear that? Hoped. Past tense. Means they didn't have that hope anymore. Even though that morning, the women had gone there, they saw that the tomb was empty. Now when they saw the tomb was empty, at first, they thought that the body had been taken. That maybe the soldiers or some, somebody had taken it away for whatever reason. But eventually they saw the risen Jesus. But nobody believed them. They took it as to be old, old wise tales, so to speak. And by the way, in that culture, women, the authority of women was not very well regarded. I'm going to bring that up a little later. So that's, but this is kind of reflecting it to some degree, but also... In case you don't know, it's not very frequent that people rise from the dead. So it's very understandable, kind of, that they don't, ex they don't understand it. But the other hand, Jesus told them over and over and over that he was going to be crucified, and on the third day he was going to rise from the dead. But no one believed it, not even one. And here, after hearing the women tell them, they still don't believe it. And so they, they're walking on this road, and Jesus has joined them, and he, un, he unloads the Old Testament scriptures. 
Which, by the way, do you know why we read the Old Testament? Because it's all about Jesus. It's all pointing to him. Jesus had time for the Old Testament, so therefore so do we. So it's all pointing to him, and he's opening it to show how it's all about him. And, they, and the thing is, is it says that they're kept from seeing him. Now it's understood that the Holy Spirit is actually holding them from recognizing who he is for a little bit. And then they go, and it's late at night, and they're like, hey, you're kind of a cool chap. You know, that's kind of the layman's version. Hey, you're a cool guy, come, you know, have dinner with us. And so they, have, they eat with him. That's when he breaks the bread. They knew exactly who he was. His eyes were open because they saw him breaking that bread at the Lord's Supper that was given to them. And they knew who he was. And when they found out, as soon as they had opportunity, they went to the rest and they told them what they had seen. And this is what the words they, had, they said. They said, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And by the way, that's not Simon Peter at that point. Simon Peter would get to see him later. But he is risen in this. He is risen. Which, by the way, that is why, where we get that whole, we say it every We say it. Christ is risen. That's where it comes from. Right there. When they realized he was risen, they went to, the, went to everybody and said, he's risen indeed. Now, I don't know if you think about that phrase. We don't say Christ is alive. He is, but that's not the refrain we use. We say he's risen. And there's a very important distinction. There are many, there are many Christians in, in churches where you'll hear that Jesus is alive in our hearts. But he's not actually physically alive. That's why those many will say that Jesus is alive. They'll never say he is risen. Because they'll say he's just alive in your heart. They said he was risen. The reason we can say this is what the difference is when you say he's risen, by nature of that word, you're saying that at one point he was in a grave, and now he is not in a grave because he is risen. He is alive and he's walking around. At one point he was on his back dead, and now he is standing alive. And this was a physical resurrection. In Matthew's gospel, it says that they grabbed at his feet. In the, Gospel of, in the Gospel of Luke, we didn't get to that farther, but if you go a little bit farther into this reading, you'll actually see that they gave Jesus a piece of fish. That was, he had to grab it from them, and he ate it before them. Why this is significant? Because they knew about ghosts in their time. And if it was a ghost, what would happen if they ate the fish? It would go plop, right on the ground. He swallowed it. He ate it like a normal, everyday person. Which was letting you know this is a physical body. And again, in the Gospel of John, the reading that we heard that was in the early service, is that, they, that Mary, when she knew that Jesus was risen from the dead, the Greek literally said, Jesus says, stop clinging to me. If he's telling her to stop, that means she's clinging to him. 
Now as she was holding on to him for dear life because she's so happy he's risen. This is a physical resurrection. And you know, that's, that is significant that it is a woman that's the first one to see it. Because in the first century, if you were to make up a lie, to make up a story about something that happened, the one thing you would not do is use women as your witnesses. Because in first century, it, this, it's not fair, but it is the way it was. If you committed murder, and the only person that saw it was a woman, they would say there was no witness. So yet, in the scriptures, every single one of the gospel lessons, the first witnesses were women. Bad step if you're going to make this up. Then you have the thing is, where was Jesus risen? Right outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, if somebody told you, if somebody were to tell you that there was a grave up in our cemetery that was empty, that somebody's body was missing, what would be the first thing you would do? You would go there, wouldn't you? To go check it out? See what's going on? See, because Jesus rose from Jerusalem, the same city where he was crucified, and it's crucifixion, you can't fake a death on a cross. There is this, what's known as the swoon theory that he just passed out. There is a spear that's driven into his side, which came out blood because it went to the heart. That's the blood from the heart. The water is the cardinal sac that fills up with fluid during crucifixion. That's what's coming out. That's letting you know that if the crucifixion didn't kill him, the spear certainly did. So he was dead, and it's really hard to fake surviving a crucifixion. You're a sweaty, bloody mess. So the idea that he passed out doesn't work. And crucifixion was a very public ordeal. They saw him carrying the cross. They saw him nailed on the biggest hill outside of town where everybody would have to see it if they came in or they left town. So everybody knew he died. So to be proclaimed the resurrection from the tomb in the same city, guess what everyone would do? They'd go to check it out. And there was no body. And by the way, the Jewish historic records attest that they couldn't find a body. The whole claim that the body was stolen by the disciples is actually a true theory you could find in Jewish historical records of the same period as the Bible. So they admit there was no body. Because if there was a body, the minute they said he was risen, they prayed the body down the street. They did it because they had nothing. And the disciples, they all confessed and testified that Jesus was risen from the dead. The punishment that ended up happening. I mean, these are people who, by the way, at first were, didn't believe it. But the punishment that came to every single one of the disciples was that they were put to death, with the exception of John. John they tried to kill, but they couldn't. But, and that's miraculous. The rest of them were killed, many of them in very brutal fashion. I mean, think about this. It's, if you had something a story that you made up that was a total lie, you and your buddies 
came up with it just to pull a fast one on everyone. Would you, at some point, don't you think somebody said, okay, we're just joking, we're playing around with you, we just, we went a little bit too far with this. Nobody did. None of the 500 witnesses to the risen Jesus denied it. They said, see, this isn't like even us. We cannot say that we saw Jesus risen. In the case of those 500, they said that they saw him with their own eyes, which includes even James, the brother of Jesus, who hated his brother most of his ministry because he considered his brother an embarrassment. And yet, James, Paul, who had everything going for him, who had a rock star life, he was the superstar of the, everybody in the area. It's like everybody would want to be him. He gave that up because he saw the risen Jesus. And he knew the consequence because he was going around killing Christians who were saying the exact same thing. And all of a sudden, he changed. The only thing that makes sense is that they actually saw Jesus risen from the dead. See, I bring all this up because the resurrection is not just a good story. It is a good story. And, but it's, because it's a story, it does not make it false. Stories are not always fictional. I'll bet you, you know, prom was last weekend. Somebody has some, probably some prom stories. Does that mean they didn't happen? I'm sure some of them did it. But what, there are probably, there are true stories. The crucifixion happened on April 3rd of 33 A.D. in Jerusalem. Jesus was physically risen from the dead on April 5th of 33 A.D. outside of Jerusalem. This happened in history. And that is why it is the most important event in the history of the world. The if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then nothing in this life matters. But the fact that Jesus did means nothing else matters apart from it. It is the most important thing in this entire world. Because it means that, and I did this this morning, feel your fingers, your arms, whatever, your nose, your ears, make sure you have them. So you have a physical body, don't grab anyone else's. But you have a body. That means, see that body that you have? It doesn't work quite the way you'd like. You may, maybe like me, I have glasses. If I take this off, I'm pretty blind. You might, you know, when I was a little kid, I lost about 80% of the hearing in one of my ears. So if you're ever talking to me on one side of my ear, I may not actually hear you. So, you know, we all of us have little things, defects in our bodies that are a consequence of the fallen of the fallen sinful world. We live in a world that is surrounded, we live surrounded by death. There are people that, we look in this congregation, I've only been here for two years, and I can already think of people, a good number of people that I remember being in a specific place at church every Sunday, and they're not here anymore because they passed. That is a consequence of sin. But when Jesus, physic because Jesus physically rose from the dead, 
This is something really kind of grieved me a little bit. I saw this on Facebook the other day, just yesterday, where people said, you know, this Easter, I feel sad this Easter because somebody will not be here. Which grief is, un is understandable because death is not natural. We're supposed to grieve death. But the, and they'll say that, well, the comfort is he's in my heart. No, the comfort is that that person that has died is with Jesus. And one day, their body. So again, talk about that cemetery. Either one, the Catholic or the, the, the other one. Because Catholics are Christians too. So, listen up. One day it's going to happen that Jesus is going to go through every single one of these cemeteries. And he's going to talk to those bodies, including your body. And he's going to say, wake up. Which, you know, this morning people really need to hear that. So they're going to say, he's going to say, wake up. And no matter how tired you are, you're not going to need any caffeine because the voice of your shepherd is so powerful that you will obey it and you will wake up and your body will be exactly as it was meant to be from creation. There is no more blessed message than the resurrection. And so what did those men do when they realized Jesus was risen? Did they just go home and... You know, like, oh, that's cool. Let's go, let's go watch a football game or whatever. Not that they had any football, but whatever they'd watch. No, they didn't. Immediately, as soon as they could, they went and told the others. See, one of the things is in our world, we have a world that loves to choke out every ounce of joy we have. Because the real sad thing is that even though here our church is filled I guarantee you there's so many people here, they're like, don't you wish every Sunday was like this? And many of us as pastors, you don't know how much joy it fills us to see some people here that we don't see right now. But the, tra the sad thing is, is next Sunday is usually the least attended service of the year. So within a week, the joy is gone. We the world chokes it out. So maybe that's a prayer we pray throughout the week, that it would not choke out, and that we would be witnesses, like those men on the road to Emmaus, like Mary Magdalene, go and tell the disciples, Alleluia, he is risen. May we proclaim it until he comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.